Sound Design. Welcome to Sound Design Live. I'm Nathan Lively, and I have three short interviews today. Number one is with Wayne Hawthorne, loudness metering for front of house mixers. Number two is with Scott Adamson, how do sound engineers get hired? And number three is with Alish Tefancic, helping your clients transition to IEMs. Enjoy. So Wayne Hawthorne, something new and interesting happened to me last week. Uh, I did my first ever streaming only mix. And my guess is that you've been hearing this from a lot of people recently um, because so much of our live events have been converted into streaming events. So in this case, my event went to Zoom. And then the next day I did another event that just went to YouTube. I realized that although I could hear, you know, this return from the streaming PC that was going out to these places, it really made me wonder, like, what does this sound like for everyone else listening on their laptops, in their cars, in their earbuds? And is there anything I can do to kind of make this more consistent or figure out what they're hearing and create a more consistent experience for everyone who's listening on the other end? How do I help my mix translate to all of these different destinations? Yeah, I got you. And 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 your story is very familiar. There's a lot of people feeling feeling the way through this. And you know, to be honest, when I started doing stuff with loudness, I went through the exact same issues. One quick answer to your um, to your question is you never 100% know how it fully sounds out there. However, there's a few tools you can use in the toolbox to kind of give you a good feel for what it should be like on most systems out there. And in this streaming environment, that's kind of the best we can hope for. Um, use the tools and um, um, and it gives you a really good feel of what is what the world is seeing out there. And it, and it actually works. I know that one of those tools you're going to be talking about at this upcoming Live Sound Summit, where you will be giving a presentation, is loudness metering. So yeah. can you just give me an overview of um, what is the tool and, and how does it help me? Really, there's two tools that I, that I use exclusively. Um, bus compression and a loudness meter. Now, people have heard of these things called LUFs or LKFS, um, and they've seen now that all the streaming um, streaming media, YouTube, Spotify, Tidal, they all have some sort of number of, you should be aiming for X LUFs, minus 14 LUFs, minus 16 LUFs. But what does that mean? So one thing I'll be talking about is trying to put that into context to, especially for people who've done a lot of front of house mixing, trying to put into context on what that means from what you're used to seeing on your console, working on a PA. Well, just tweaking that a little bit and moving it towards the streaming platforms and understanding what those LUF terms actually mean and how to read the loudness meter so that you do have a good idea of what's happening out on your stream. I haven't met with you or taken a class with you before, so I'm, I'm just curious, like, what do you know about LUFs? Like, why should I listen to you about, about mixed translation? It's a valid question, if you know. <laughs> uh, I see that you're, it looks like you're sitting in some kind of a mix or broadcast truck. So already I'm leaning towards trusting you, but tell me a little bit about your uh, journey with learning this stuff. I literally came at it honestly. I come from a background of um, both electrical engineering as well as uh, live live production. Um, worked on many stages. I've worked front of house. I've worked uh, monitors. Um, 
I've done freelance. I've worked for different uh, production companies and venues. So I get that side of things. I got into the this side of things because I, uh, with a partner, I built and owned a mobile production company. Uh, we started that way back in 2005 timeframe. And what you see in the background is the interior of a production truck that we built. In that, um, a lot of the, we get hired by broadcasters um, and we literally traveled all over the country providing shows. And because we do live to air broadcasts, we then have to start paying attention to loudness. Um, um, I won't go into the details, but the um, but the when you're broadcasting on terrestrial TV, there's some very specific requirements, and I'll talk a little bit about this at in the during the summit. But there are some very specific requirements that we all have to adhere to in terms of how loud something sounds. Mm-hmm. And so, um, over my time running the running the mobile and providing music mixes for TV broadcasters, whether it be sports or um, or music events, etc., uh, over my time I've gotten very familiar with with loudness specs, and I've you know, I've come up with a few um, methodologies on you know even though we're rushing into a show, load in, quick sound check you know, and going live to air, I've come up with a few methodologies that kind of helped me hit the targets, um, but still sound musical. Um, And that's because I come from a music background, like most of us, I still want things sounding good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Still want things, you know, you don't want things sounding squashed and overcompressed within an inch of its life. Unfortunately, with some of these requirements, we do have to be compressing a little bit more than we than we would for a music, a standard music PA system. Mm -hmm. So how do we adapt those? Um, And, you know, again, that to answer your question, that's how that's how I kind of came into this. Um, and so this has been well before pandemic days. And then as the pandemic has moved along, I'm listening to streams of people putting out there. Some are fantastic. And some I can I can actually literally hear they're going through the exact same problems I went through a bunch of years ago when I was learning all of this. That's so funny. You're hearing you in the past. You're that's exactly. The past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's there's some things that we naturally do as particularly front of house mixtures, there's some things that we do that make sense in a context of a big ass PA. Sorry, can I say that? I mean, yeah. in front of a- <laughs> <laughs> when you're in front of a PA and you've got 15,000 people around you, there's some things you naturally do as a front of house mixer. It makes sense. Sure. If you do those same things on a stream, especially if your audience um, has some video content tied to it, if you do those on the streams, all of a sudden they don't make as much sense because your audience doesn't have the same context as what your audience would if they were in the space with you. And so we have to think about that in a little bit differently than we would on a uh, on a normal stream, or excuse me, on a normal PA, a live PA. Got it. Okay. So yeah, it's not just me. Uh, there are some different things to learn. And so that's great. I'm really looking forward to your talk at the live sound summit because there's a lot i need to learn and maybe you can help me save some time and some embarrassing mistakes maybe i can take your mixes your uh your wayne hawthorne mixes from 20 years ago and you can tell me what not to do 
<laughs> you may not want to take 20 years ago because you know a little hint that gated snare from phil con's 80s i still use that come on like you know <laughs> so we have our things but <laughs> i'm one thing one thing we'll we'll, we'll talk about in there in the summit is I'm not going to change how you mix. I'm just going to suggest a couple of things to tweak, but everybody has a way that they've learned how to mix and works for them. We're going to stay with that. We're just going to tweak some methodologies so that it makes your life uh, a little easier and consistent when it comes to you delivering your streams. Okay. That sounds great. Well, if you would like to hear Wayne Hawthorne talk more about uh, translating your mix to many streaming platforms, that will be on June 13th uh, for this year's Live Sound Summit 2021. And you can sign up for that over at Live Sound Summit 2021.soundsdesignlive.com. And we hope you'll join us. So, Wayne Hawthorne, thank you so much for being here. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at the summit. I'm looking forward to being there. This, is, this, this will be a fantastic time. Sound design. Yeah. Okay, so Scott, how do sound engineers get hired? I'm a sound engineer, or at least I claim to be, and I want more jobs. Things have really been tough for the last year, and I'm just thinking, like, as we're getting out of this and and more shows are starting to come back and tours are starting to come back, I would also like to just, like, upscale my business a little bit and learn more about how sound engineers get hired and how, like, the business side works. What are the economics of this thing that I'm doing that I, I don't quite understand too well. So that was a long preamble to say, how do how do sound engineers get hired? Well, you know, even in like pre-pandemic times, it was kind of, I always kind of felt opaque, especially on the touring music industry side of things. I was like, like how do you get in, how do you get the job with the bands? Like, how do you even meet these people and and all that? And it, it was always felt like something that I couldn't figure out, or like a lot of people share that 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 same thing. Like, how do you even really get connected with this world? Um, and it's all networking and who you know and meeting people. Of course, I think almost any industry is. And once I kind of got a clear idea of that and who I would, whom I would need to speak to to, uh, to to talk about work or who was actually hiring the the engineers for tours or for you know different events. I mean, I kind of kind of. Put things in perspective a little bit i got a kind of clearer picture so that's one of the things i want to do with this panel is bring a few people on who actually hire audio engineers and they can talk about maybe what they're looking for um, what some of the job qualifications might be for the different uh, applications these are people that work in different parts of the industry we're having a actual artist manager on uh, my friend david who manages uh, mgmt and the hold steady luther bandross Bunch of other uh, great artists, and also Megan Holmes from uh, Eighth Day Sound, Claire, uh, which is now the same company, Claire Brothers and Eighth Day. Uh, for those of you, uh, for those of you who don't know, those are the two biggest touring companies in the world that have now merged. But in any case, are they the two biggest in the world? Okay. Well, yeah. Before there was Britannia Row, which is a huge one in the UK, but Claire bought them. Okay. There were some. There were a couple big ones in Australia, but Claire bought them. Wow. So now Claire has bought eighth day as well which is their biggest competitor so um so it's all pretty much one huge touring uh global touring company at this point but in okay, any case cool. megan holmes who's a one of the linchpins of their operation in los angeles she's going to join she's hires people all the time she has a, a long history of working for great production companies in the los angeles area 
hiring audio engineers, putting together crews for big shows and for tours and all that. So she'll have a lot, a lot of great stuff to share. And then Chris Leonard, who does a lot of hiring for kind of more on the corporate AV side of things. So he will definitely have some uh, good insight to share for what might be involved in that type of work. Uh, there is a ton, a ton, ton of work uh, for audio engineers uh, and video engineers and lighting people in kind of corporate events and uh, AV work. And a lot of that can be, you know, more uh, better paying or more consistent than, than music work. So those are definitely things that are worth considering as a freelancer. And we'll cover all this stuff as we talk through the panel. Okay, cool. So, so what is this? You said the word panel, you said all these people you're talking to, um, where is this happening? Well, that's that's a good thing you asked because because <laughs> my friend Nathan Lively is hosting this amazing event, <laughs> amazing as, event, as he does every year at the Live Sound Summit. Uh, this year it is June thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth of twenty twenty one. Uh, really looking forward to it. Last year was phenomenal. We had a lot of a lot of great speakers. Um, I'm, the year before was great too. So I'm I'm look, really looking forward to this year. It is kind of a fun time to be talking about live music because, or live events in general, because all this stuff is just kind of ramping up again after all this uh, pandemic shutdown. So I th there's a palpable sense of excitement about about a lot of uh, reopening and getting back into a venue with a bunch of people and, and seeing music or theater or having church events or whatever it is. But uh, as humans, we like doing that stuff. So it's sure. to, everyone's excited to get back to it. and. Uh, it'll be fun to talk about all that stuff. This so year June 13, 14, 15, and I believe your panel is actually on the 15th at, I think, 2, uh, 2.15 my time, central I time? Believe, I believe that's correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. So um, looking and forward that to that. That is all at Live Sound Summit 2021.sounddesignlive.com slash schedule if you want to see the entire schedule and everybody who's on it. I think we have about 20 sessions now, 20 different people. Yeah, it's gonna be that's it's great. And um I don't know. I, I remember last year. I mean last year everyone a lot more people were home, but I, I remember like kind of signing on in the beginning, one of the first days, and um seeing everybody come on and, and start to start to talk. And you know, I I was I wasn't on the whole time, but I was bouncing back and forth. But every time I came on, I was like this same like core group of people was watching the whole thing. It was amazing. It was just so cool to see and uh to see the kind of like people chatting and uh having discussions about all the, all the speakers and uh, all the new information that we were learning. I and mean, there's like some mind blowing cool stuff that came up last year. So hopefully that comes around again this year, but the, the sense of community around the whole thing is, is really fun and it's really fun to be a part of. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Scott, I hope you don't mind me asking, but why should I listen to you talk about how sound engineers get hired? What do you know about the business of hiring and sound engineers? Well, I know that I didn't know much about it for most of my career. Um, I think maybe my perspective was wrong on some things. And I think, um, I don't know, uh, you, you learn all that stuff with experience and just working for years as a freelancer, anyone that's done it kind of picks up these things. And um, unfortunately, there wasn't really resources to talk about this stuff. Um, you know, when I was kind of getting into it, you know, I didn't know anybody who was really could talk me through some of the pitfalls of working as a freelancer or what I should really be thinking about if I'm like, if I want to get into a certain part of the industry or even how I should consider my whole freelance sound engineering career in general. Yeah. So 
a lot of that stuff is perspective and a lot of that stuff you can only get by experience and and getting older but um but you know but just talking about it and listening to more experienced people um is just super helpful for for anyone who's who's trying to navigate that world so um luckily we'll um i'm mostly a facilitator i think uh i think i maybe i'll come from the perspective of someone who is a sound engineer so i hopefully can ask good questions to my panel who really are the people with tons of experience of actually hiring engineers these are the people looking at resumes or doing interviews and really making a decision about what they need from from their freelance audio engineers whether it's corporate audio touring or or what have you yeah plus you are a sound engineer you've had tons of gigs and have had the experience of not knowing how someone gets hired and then getting hired and you know seeing how the whole process works yeah. and you continue to be a sound engineer and you continue to you know part of your business is understanding how this stuff works so you i'm sure you'll know more tomorrow and by the time we get to this panel than you even do today um sure. so i i really appreciate you know hearing your experience about this and what i've always thought would be super helpful is if i don't know there aren't necessarily a lot of formal interviews, I guess, in our field. But if you have been in an interview, um, you've probably wished you could just be really honest and say, you know, what would impress you here? Like, what do you want to hear? How can I, uh, how can I really give you the right information to make sure this is the right fit for me? How can I know that this is a good fit for me? And so I'm just really looking forward to being able to ask some questions of these people that you're bringing on the panel as well um, and say to them, like, you know, what are you looking for? And uh, is there any way that I could screw up this interview or is there anything that you would like to make sure that I don't do so I can keep my job? Like lots of things like that, 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 you know, I think uh, now being 40 years old, I try to pretend like I know all that stuff so that I, I look, like an expert when I'm in the field, but really I, I don't know so much of this stuff still. And I, or I would just like to have it validated even some of the, I don't know, just assumptions I've made about what people want. Totally. Yeah. So I, I think those would be great questions asked of, of this panel. I honestly, I think like a, avoiding red flags is a huge part of it. You know, it's, I think a lot of times it's not what you do do. It's, you know, it's, it's not what you, <laughs> It's not what you do that impresses them. It's avoiding things that you do that send up, put up red flags. Totally. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that, but again, we, I think a discussion might bear this out a little bit with, with the panel. So, um, but you know, uh, all these things are really important to think about. And I, I think that, you know, I don't always get called back for jobs. You know, I make mistakes and I've, I've lost gigs and it, you know, it happens, it happens to everybody. And, um, hopefully identifying that or kind of talking about what, why that might be, or, uh, and you know, a lot of times it's just the fit isn't right, especially in the music industry. If you're touring together with someone, um, you know, maybe one engineer will get along better personally with a couple of the bandmates or whatever, and someone else wouldn't get along so well. It, it, it's really not a cut and dry thing, but again, you know, avoiding some like real pitfalls, avoiding some real red flags uh, from the people who are hiring you. It's definitely, definitely worth talking about and trying to identify. 
Yeah, that's such a good point. I really hope that either you ask or, or someone remembers to ask your panelists about these red flags. Like what is a reason that some someone has not gotten hired? What is a reason that someone has not gotten rehired or maybe taken off of a job? And now you and I have had enough gigs that we've seen the way some of those things go down and they're not how you expect normally. They yeah. often tend to be um, personality issues, uh, uh, just sort of like things that you would relate to soft skills, professionalism. Um, and so I, I don't think we're going to get into that right now, but as you're talking, I'm just realizing that when I come to this panel, I'm going to be thinking about all of my past experiences and hopefully this will shed some new light and help me just like get some more learning about the things I've already been through. Totally. And I think a lot of times it's a part of it is just open communication and good communication and asking the right questions so that people are on the same page and aren't imagining that the other person is in a different position than they are if that makes sense I totally think yeah a lot of times everyone is just you know if, every, if everyone was talking correctly and communicating well uh everything would be chill and easy and the gig would be fine you know but it doesn't of course always work out that way and so i think definitely the communication skills is a it's tough for you know a lot of us i've have trouble with communication skills i always have <laughs> i've worked to make them better um but I think I've you know not gotten along on, on jobs before because I'm not speaking to someone correctly, um, and we're fine. We're just not you know not not getting there. You know, not communicating well or speaking our mind. So I think a lot of that stuff is yeah soft skills, like you say. But it's it's important stuff. It's important yeah, stuff. you you if you were to ask me, do you have good communication skills? I just say, of course, I, I'm amazing, right? Like I think very highly of myself. Lots of confidence, no problem. But, but then if you were to then ask me specifically, okay, in this situation, what questions do you ask to make sure you like go in ready for the scenario? I might not know. So I'm going to be coming, you know, ready to take a lot of notes um, because those are gems I can really pull out. I'm sure I'm going to be a pull out of your panel when someone says something like, yeah, make sure you ask X, Y, and Z, which to them now is so clear. And I'll, I'll be like, oh my God, like I'd remember to ask that when I'm in that situation. And, you know, so then I'll have like a list of questions. So this sounds great. Um, so I'll just say the URL again is Live Sound Summit 2021. Scott Adamson from the Production Academy and all of your favorite bands. Thanks for talking to me today. Thanks for having me, Nathan. Sound design. So Alish. Um, there's an artist that I've been working with for a couple of years now, and I've been talking to them about the benefits of IEMs. Let's lower the stage volume. Let's get you hearing better. And they're finally ready to pull the trigger and do the thing. But um, I know they're also nervous about it. So I wanted to talk to you because I know that you have some experience with this. So how can I help my artist transition how can I help my artist transition smoothly from using all just floor wedges and, and stage monitors and speakers to IAMs? How do I help them do that in sort of a smooth, peaceful way? Well, this is exactly what we will be covering during my presentation at Live Sound Summit this year. Um, one of the things that should sort of be obvious is to have the answers ready for all of their questions. So they'll have a lot of what ifs, 
Um, what if this happens? What if that goes wrong? And as long as you can provide useful information in terms of how you will solve the problem for them or how you will better yet prevent the problem from happening, um, then you're on a good track of making them calmer, making them more secure into their transition. Uh, but also, uh, and this is something that we will probably dive into quite deeply, is discuss why they have all those fears in the first place. Like maybe they had a bad experience or maybe they heard a horror story here and there. Um, what is it that they are so afraid of um, that makes them nervous in terms of transitioning to IEMs? And this is something that will be discussed um, during my presentation. Okay, you mentioned Live Sound Summit, you mentioned presentation. So when is that? What are you, what's happening? What are you doing? Well, Live Sound Summit is... Um, it's something that I really look forward to uh, every year. And uh, it's an online event where a lot of um, experts in the audio field, um, in the broadest possible uh, sense of the word, we cover RF, we cover uh, system design, we cover mixing, and um, I tend to talk about monitors uh, or monitor engineering for well, the past, I don't know, three years now. Um, and uh, Live Sound Summit is basically an online event, uh, an online conference about audio, professional audio, uh, which happens every year. This year, it's going to start on June 13th. Uh, it lasts for three days, and it has a roster of really, really great presenters, teachers, uh, people that you probably know if you are in the audio world, and they will be presenting topics that uh, you will definitely need uh, for your upcoming work if you want to up your game. How about this? Where do people sign up? Well, the best way to sign up is basically just to Google Live Sound Summit 2021, and then you can uh, uh, get your tickets there. Or you can check out um, a lot of the presenters uh, that will be joining this uh, summit that will actually provide maybe a discount here or there. Uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You can also <laughs> find this on my YouTube channel. Uh, probably from uh, this Saturday. So um, go to my YouTube channel, um, find the video, find the link in the video description and get your uh, discounted ticket for this year's Live Sound Summit. Oh, cool. Okay, so you've mentioned your YouTube channel and you've mentioned that you're going to be talking about IEMs. So your YouTube channel is Gain Media Lab and I've seen you on there talking about IEMs a little bit. So so tell me more about that. Why should I listen to you? What do you know about the business of IEMs? Everything there is. To <laughs> <No>. <laughs> End of interview. No, no. Um, this is this has been a passion of mine for for a couple of years now, and I've been working as a monitoring engineer, especially with IEMs, for the past six seven years now. Uh, with uh, the major bands in in Slovenia, where I'm located in Europe, um, and monitor engineering, especially for IEM users, is something that um, I really enjoy talking about, and I have developed uh, uh, an online course on that. Um, plus, I've been teaching um, on this topic for a couple of live sound summits now. So um, hopefully, my tips and tricks will help you uh, to. Um, sort of get more experience or maybe learn from my mistakes, which are more numerous than I would like to admit. <laughs> I'm happy to share them with you so that you don't have to repeat them on your own and uh, be a better monitor engineer all in all. 
Okay. Well, that sounds great. So if you are interested in hearing Alish talk more about all the stuff he's learned about working with artists, transitioning to IEMs, uh, and solving all the problems and answering all the questions that come up during that transition, then we hope you will join us at Live Sound Summit 2021, which is at livesoundsummit2021.sounddesignlive.com. So Alice Stefanczyk from Gain Media Lab, thank you so much for joining me here today. And I look forward to seeing you at Live Sound Summit. Thank you, Nathan. And I hope I'll see you all there. Bye. <laughs> Sound design. Yeah.